Why struggle through a post-merger integration when you can glide through it? Why deal with the PMI integration challenges when you can overcome them even before they occur? Why move slow when you can move at pace? What are the world's leading PMI experts doing right now to achieve profit accelerating integrations? This podcast will give you all the answers to these questions and many more. My name is Dudley Peacock and welcome to the 100 Days and Beyond podcast. This is uh, the marketing leadership version of our of our podcast and uh, we've got a fascinating guy, Harry, uh, Harry Henry, who's joined us. I think... Uh, I think he could probably be part of both uh, uh, all, all, our, all our podcasts because of his varied background. But I think today um, I'd like to focus on the marketing leadership side. But but there's a mass amount of of um, of uh, brand M and A, being an international speaker, passionate about building performing organizations, and and currently part of two organizations and. Uh, and our, our podcast really is focused on on those special individuals that are out there making things happen. And I think uh, Harry's one of them. <laughs> Good morning, Harry. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Good morning, and I'm uh, I'm sure everyone will enjoy your 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 journey and 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 how we how we got here, and how we um how we intend to go forward into the future. I mean, you're a young guy. You've got loads of energy. You guys are creating. An immense amount of momentum uh, in the marketplace. That is incredibly kind of you. I think I've, I think we're more of an age than you think, Dudley. <laughs> are you not uh, born in 1980? No, I'm actually born in in the wonderful year of 1968, which gives makes me oh, 53. Right. Marketing people keep well. Yes, I think we try and keep healthy and well. But I mean, it's uh, it's also quite useful to. To have a bit of DNA on your side sometimes as well, um, but yeah. So, welcome here, here. So, um, I want to I want to just go straight into it. I I just just say thank you very much for joining me. You and I had a conversation a few days back, and wow, I mean, it just it blew me away. And I th I think the journey, the the things that you guys have been up to, you're part of two organisations. I just want to just sort of run through that as well. But um, I'm going to just quickly read your summary um, and then we're just going to go in, go straight into your journey. I mean, you talk about being an executive with experience as a private company director as well as long career in management consulting uh, at home in two worlds, corporate and startups. I mean, that's very interesting because sometimes, you know, the one taints the other because you tend to, <laughs> you tend to be in the trenches with the one. Uh, and and really be busy with gr uh, grassroots and the and corporate is very um, very structured very organized but sometimes a lot of cotton wool to carry you through through the tough patches where the startups you 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 very much at the coal face where you know every single bullet that flies your way you've got a duck <laughs> so that's very interesting with over ten years final responsibility hands on to the point. Uh, and at home in any sort of turbulence, I've a proven uh, multi-industry track record of delivering growth, change, and inspiration. So, uh, I did did ask for uh, for for a good uh, interview with with you today, and you you kindly agreed. So, give us just give us the intro. Tell us who who you are and and and, and what what makes you tick, and and how did you get to where you well, are? Well, you know, in, in brief, and as a comment to to that so that. Uh always slightly embarrassing uh, LinkedIn blurb. I'm originally from Madagascar um, with a German father and I grew up in Finland. And uh, uh, my, my, my early days, I, I worked, uh, I spent eight, almost eight years in, in Deloitte consulting and M&A and, and strategy. And um, I was silly enough to start my own company just before I joined Deloitte. And then I, I kept bootstrapping it through my years in Deloitte. And uh, Deloitte were very understanding. I learned an awful lot. Uh, on both ends, but it, it really is a young man's game. I mean, it was, it was one of those where, uh, I, for example, I can't remember the year 2009. It was a financial crisis which hit consulting hard very quickly. M&A mm. uh, closed up. At the same time, I was, I was in a business. I was in, in, in services. I was in dance. Uh, and so, so building that up while there was a financial crisis and, and all your customers are in crisis mode, 
uh, wasn't great fun. There's eight months of my life that I don't remember because I worked, uh, I think my highest billable month for Deloitte then was 282 hours in a month. And I still hired people uh, for the other companies. So, so I can't advise, uh, but it's for anyone to do that. But the, the, the nice, the very necessary and nice side effect was that I had impeccable time management when I came out in mm -hmm. 2009. Uh, so I found I found that I was I was fairly quick at, at most sort of sort of mundane tasks and things like or even things like conceptualizing things, getting things off the ground, gathering momentum, mm -hmm. getting stuff done in sort of half the time or one third of the time, mm -hmm. uh, without ruffling too many feathers, uh, as well. So so that's also where the the, the pension for turbulence comes from. So I, I just I just don't mind it. It's just. Uh, when when emotion ticks over, which is very typical in, in an M and A environment anyway, in post merger because uh, post merger integration especially, um, the emotion is one thing, but at the end of the day, it's all people. None of it is rocket science. It just usually requires someone to make a really good list uh, and to make sure that people are accountable for the things in that list. That's it. Um, but then, as my marketing background, so so my my big one. My holy grail at the moment is with with Weepak, uh, where I have both the marketing and brand organizations, the innovation organization, as well as sustainability. And one of the the, the early things, so we're, we're we're looking to be the first carbon neutral flexible packaging company in, in the world. So plastic packaging, but carbon neutral by 2025, which is for for a huge global corporate, it's a it's a big big ask. But that is the strategy. We're going to do that. And one of the key moments for me early on taking on that role was that we saw very clearly that sustainability and marketing need to be one department. And a lot of the time in marketing, we have such silly departments such as Marcoms, marketing and communications, they have nothing to do with each other. Um, <laughs> we, have, we, we don't understand the difference between sales, marketing and brand, that's three different things. Uh, and we don't understand what sustainability really means to our customers. In a lot of contexts, right? So we 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 work off something that sounds like sustainability, like green energy, or um, you know, reducing the amount of certain materials that you use while increasing others, which might have a much higher carbon footprint. And so, to find the fact base in sustainability and to amalgamate that with marketing, which, by the way, if we look at, for instance, it just just direct to consumer marketing. We needed to see an ad about four to five times in 2016, 17 for us to click on it once. Now we need to see it between 16 and 19 times um, because people don't click on stuff. There were, there's, there's too much sensory play going around, going on. And so the only thing that really works is, in my mind, everything else is dead, is content marketing. And content marketing is predicated on, on good data, on facts and bringing those facts and that data alive. And so to me, marketing is, especially B2B marketing, which I'm in mostly, is doing two things. One is obvious, I think, to anyone who follows and everyone who's followed marketing for a few years, which is B2B and B2C are getting closer and closer to each other. Mm. In the UK, B2B marketing spend is almost the same as B2C marketing spend. Now, if I ask this audience, and maybe you're able to chat, I don't know, maybe you're not, how many of you remember a single B2B ad? A single memorable <laughs> B2B ad from the last five years. No one's going to come up with anything. Maybe you saw one sort of outdoor banner thingy next to Heathrow, going to Heathrow from London, where Mercedes-Benz had trucks, right? But there's nothing you remember because B2B marketing is so much less sophisticated mm -hmm. this time because somehow we assume that I turn into a completely different person. I turn into homo economicus when I go to work and I, I don't want to see good content. All of a sudden, all I want is facts and prices, which couldn't be further from the truth. And so when I draw this back into the, the two trends that I see happening, one, of course, is we, we get more sophisticated, we go, go the way of B2C. But the other one is we need to find the, a way to bring the facts alive. In stories and in, in, in ways that people are actually interested in, in hearing them. Yeah, and, uh, and and if I if I just if I if I think about the the the, the methods to market have, have changed significantly, and and also I think 
where where the biggest change for me has happened in b2b uh, space is that um the there's now such a big gap in in generations um and and the methods in which generations are are being marketed to so you take you know and this is very general um but if you if if i look to try and get hold of let's say decision makers within large entities um with the pandemic with people working from home and or doing this hybrid work right now just getting a telephone call done is almost non-existent i don't i mean i think uh, i don't know i mentioned to some someone the other day i i, I heard my telephone ringing and i didn't recognize the ringtone um because i haven't used my phone uh, for such a long time I and mean, we do, we do always you pick now, up the phone when it rings do you generally well, pick it up when I, you call I, back? Find, I had to find it first and then and then once i'd found my phone I, then I'd, I, I'd answered the phone but but I'd, I hardly ever do any outbounds, and I don't get any inbound calls really. And the only ones I do get are our family, maybe you know, yeah. you're sending so, me. So a, I, a, I get plenty of calls, but I never pick them up unless, um, unless it's it's someone I know. And even then, it's it's sort of a fifty-fifty. And the reason is not because I don't like calls; I don't want to get them. It's one it, one is I don't want certain types of calls, the salesy ones. But mm. the other thing is I've got my process i've got how i work i've decided what i'm going to do with this time and the, the worst thing you can do for your effectiveness is to let to, to, to let yourself be interrupted all the time so i don't understand how people have notifications on on their phone and the phone goes off every time <laughs> someone has put a bid through you on your ebay or whatnot so every single app goes off all the time so does your outlook so does your calendar app and then it's your phone right so so I, I I wouldn't get anything done. So I've, I've I've turned all of that off, and I know that if it's an emergency, people can get to you. Like people people will find a way to get to you, uh, and then they call from from a number that I know. So. Yeah, and it's 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 become really really difficult to get through to decision makers and decision makers. I think I think you're absolutely spot on. What I what I like about what you said was that decision makers um, in the B two B space. I mean, they they still human beings and uh still buy an emotion as well as facts and figures and so on and and i think there's one needs to needs to take cognizance that that you know everyone's busy and we are busier you know if, if i take how many more meetings we take during the day because of online meetings and so on yeah i i i, I understand i i think my so my subjective opinion on this is that decision makers are harder to reach not just because they're more busy but because they've got their shield wall up because literally every jack and jill and their dog is dropping them a, a, a linkedin inbox that first lies and says hey i really want to connect with you you have great experience we seem to be in a similar sphere i just want to grow my network and the moment you accept them they will drop you a sort of a, a copy pasted thing that gets your name wrong and then it says, says i read through your profile no you didn't because otherwise it'd be relevant and then the, the sort of the icing on the cake for me is the pdf <laughs> so it comes with a pdf or in in the coaching business it's a free book right yeah. and i i've just gotten so fed up with that that i just send them a friendly link friendly with a smile and I'm like hi thanks for connecting thanks for reaching out by the way before uh, we go any further, could I ask you to read my blog? And I sent them a link to my blog where I have six unsavory types and one nice type of how to build brand on LinkedIn. And it describes sort of the different stereotypes of the, the person who drops you a PDF and the person who sort of goes in with the dreaded sentence of when would be a good time to have a 30 minute call? And I've, I've never, I mean, you know, like when we go out on a date, you know, why is it first? <laughs> You know, like, like, it's not like, hi, can we skip the drinks? They cost money. Can we go straight to your place? That's not how that works. Right. So, 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 and then there's sort of a sub, most people just sort of move away. And then there's sort of a subset who come back with humor and sort of engage. And so like, I read your blog and actually you're, you're so right. And you know what, it, this isn't really working for me. And then we're having a conversation and then I'm happy to listen. So that's my way of, of, of weeding that out. I've heard a different one from from uh, from a great uh, guy in M and A recently. Um, I met him in Boston, and he said 
what he does is he he responds by saying absolutely we can have a conversation we can have a 10 minute call 15 minute call um please schedule it through this address uh just to let you know it costs 75 dollars <laughs> and and he hasn't earned any money yet he says it's since two weeks in. um and but introduction calls like like if i if i ask to be introduced to those companies that schedule calls i mean they charge me as well so he says yeah i'm, I'm gonna charge and and he had one call with one guy who came back and said like um that's okay i'm happy with the 75 um just to let you know that uh i charge 73 for this <laughs> difference, and just because the the response was fairly good, so he actually took that call, which is which I think is, is great. But I think all of these things just show us that we're still finding our way. We're still finding our way. It's still mm. social selling. There was a time when inboxing absolutely everyone, just like email marketing. And I mean, email marketing in 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 what ninety seven, ninety eight, when you still had to 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 sort of turn on your modem and wait for it to connect. And then ISDN um, had a ridiculous open rate of what fifty percent because you were the only one doing it, right? And so for a bit on LinkedIn, if you were the one person who sort of read the profile, said like that guy's into sustainability, and then you go, hey, uh, we're doing this in sustainability, people would be like, oh, well, I'll have a look at that because and and now we've gotten to the the, the space where actually we, on digital we need to be at least as sophisticated as if we approach someone in real life if not more sophisticated, because it's it's a simple truth that's always been and always will be, which is that everyone loves to buy, but no one likes to be sold to. Mm. Yeah, one hundred percent well said. And and I think I think the 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 industry itself, if you think about the the marketing industry has been to blame. I think uh, for this more of a callous uh, approach from uh, from the target audience, if you like, um, mm -hmm. because of the type of messaging and the, and the approach, it's been it's been impersonal, it's been spam, it's been one of those that literally put people off. So um, you tend to be on guard all the time, or you tend to filter everything out. And only yeah, if it yeah. really stands out, you know, and I, and I think the biggest culprits are the marketing industry itself. And, and if I just think about those selling marketing to marketing people are probably worse because they only really make money out of selling marketing stuff to marketing people who then go and regurgitate that. <laughs> well, you've, you've hit the, the nail on the head there because you're, you're, you're talking about marketing selling. And I think that's one of the problems is there's a fundamental misunderstanding of how that triangle works between brand building, marketing and sales, right? So, so you're in marketing and what, what you're doing is you're pitching and you have, you have no, you haven't informed anyone. You haven't done any content marketing. You're pitching. You have no business pitching because you haven't built brand. So you're not credible as a brand. So you can't come out, right? So, if Coca-Cola reached out to me directly and said, hey, we've been interested in and in, we'd like to do a project, and we're like, well, you got brand, right? We can, we can talk. I know who you are. Then the marketing bit, you haven't actually talked or you haven't provided free, free content. You haven't provided information. You haven't engaged through insights. And so you've neither built brand or already have inherited brand, nor have you done the marketing bit. You've gone straight to sales. And that's the same as taking your vacuum cleaner and going door to door. And that's different. But then you, you can't, the, the problem is that it's, it, there's no barrier to entry online, right? So before I let you take my working capital in the form of vacuum cleaners and put it in a car, which I'm paying for, before you go out, I need to know you're good. But um, in digital, I can just carpet bomb everything. And people don't understand. You, you need to. You, you need the, the brand, but right. So the difference, just just because it's 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 a fun topic to me, right? So sales is bad. Sales is you inbox someone and hope for the best. Brand building works differently. I'll meet you. We haven't sold each other anything. In fact, we just all we've done is build a bit of rapport because we we we, we talk about the same topics. Um, we'll keep talking. I'll keep engaging with your content you'll keep engaging with mine years down the line. 
and it could be years and that's why, why patience is such a such a such a virtue in, in in sales especially right years down the line i will need someone as an interim market director and i'll remember you because we've had good experiences and I've, you've established your brand with me over time i can't like uh, uh, you're just at the top of my head my my mind for some weird reason right because i've kept kept seeing good content from you over the years 17 20 times and then I reach out to you on whatever it is, Twitter or whatnot, and I go, "Hey, I don't suppose we could talk about an interim marketing role." And you'll be, you'll be like, you know, you'll be the proverbial snake in the grass. You've been waiting. You'd be like, "We sure fucking can, <laughs> right?" That's brand. That's the power of brands. You've done, and and people don't seem to have the patience. It's a marketing organization. I understand in corporate, there's there's sort of a, you know, corporate will come in and say, "Well, these are the KPIs." You must generate this many leads. You must generate mm. this many sales and so on. But for that engine to click, you need to allow it time. Otherwise, it will destroy brand and destroy value. And believe me not, um, everyone knows how to gamify KPIs nowadays. So everyone, if, if you give people KPIs that say you need to make this many calls per week, you need to have this many leads per month and so on, People will gamify that, optimize their own time using that system, always hit their bonus target somehow, and you wonder why your brand deteriorates. Yeah, very, very, very well said. And yeah, I, I, I just, you know, from uh, from a B two B point of view, I mean, we we do. Uh, I mean, this particular uh, show is all about that sort of merger and acquisition. The post-merger integration and, and all the marketing leadership and that around business and and speaking to business leaders and so on but marketing marketing leadership is is something completely different is how do you become a leader within your space now you're not maybe you're not particularly in the marketing department but marketing should be across all departments if you think about it. if you if you're in the cf if you're a cfo position you should be you should be marketing the fact that there are things that you do you should be putting out messaging and marketing for me is about messaging marketing for me is about i think you're right it's about brand and so on but also yeah. building credibility building authority building Absolutely. Inter inside and internal and external yeah and there's a, there's a terrible word within brand which is called employer brand i don't i don't like it i, I just think everything's brand so it, it shouldn't be i don't think we should we should differentiate too much but absolutely the finance organization is is uh, you know should show off its expertise should show off its its joy in engaging with the with its with your own brand uh the joy of working with with those people uh, and and that's the best kind of content marketing it it leaves a positive connotation um in 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 people's minds by the way just so people don't get confused about this i'm not hating on sales <laughs> i think there are very few problems that can't be solved with more sales so mm -hmm. it's it's just the, the the misunderstanding of what toolkit to employ where mm -hmm. right that's that's what I'm that's what I'm that's what I'm talking about. I think you need to under, really understand sales, marketing, and brand separately and together uh, to to get them right. And yes. so, uh, sales similarly to marketing. What you said, I also think that that everything is sales. I mean, I've we have colleagues in in the U.S. Uh, on in the on the packaging side. I've always been astounded how well they do at this. So, it is not atypical for their CFO to engage with a client CFO, customer CFO, right? That's also where deals are made. That's also where, where, where things are, mm. things are discussed. And, and it's, it's about trust and expertise and, and understanding that, that part of the value chain as well. It's not just salespeople with purchasing people doing things. And, and the, the better you understand the whole order to cash chain uh, and, and how every, every part really, plays its part in, in, in great customer relationships and building brand uh, in doing the best kind of marketing which is which is with 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 sort of through partnership with existing um, um, partners and by that I mean through through providing excellent service throughout your value chain to to your customers 
Yeah, and and, and there's that um, the philosophy. I mean, I, every Friday I have a a segment where I go through 42 business growth principles, which are really marketing principles. But um, at, I mean, I haven't covered it yet. But I mean, there, there, there's one that uh, where I talk a lot about moments of truth. Those 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 specific moments in which your target audience or the people that you're trying to reach have a window into your world. Now, if you if you imagine, you know, you don't know a company. I mean, take Coca-Cola, that example you mentioned earlier. If Coca-Cola's brand is great, but when I do phone there uh, or I do try and contact them because there's something that's gone a little wrong um, and the phone sort of continues ringing nobody answers or i have this weird chat bot that gives me every answer but the one that i'm looking for the uh or there's this call center that puts me on hold and they and they they, they are very poor in terms of the, the the abilities that's a moment of truth that's my window into the entire universe of that company I make I extrapolate the assumption, the, the the my my thinking about that entity purely through that one or two or three minute experience. And if you think about across the entire customer experience or client experience or client journey or even investor journey, because we also deal with investors on that that invest in our businesses or invest in the entities we we're trying to acquire, etc. If if you don't understand and break down those individual moments of truth those spaces those little moments in which they your your customer or your client engages with you and your investor and if we look even right down to the accounts department or warehousing or the shipment or i mean you deal with packaging and and you talk about dealing with customers you know, if if the item arrives and the packaging is no good and it's popped everywhere and it's leaking or whatever it is, or the quality is bad, or I just just get a really tacky feeling about whatever it is I get. I mean, that's a moment of truth. That is how I make an assumption about the entire company, and and I think that's part of marketing leadership is is to understand the entire scope of yeah. what. A customer or a or a client journey is. And now we're back to personal brand, because it's it's my my brand isn't my picture on LinkedIn. My brand isn't my CV. My brand is the interaction you're having with me in this moment. Hmm. Right. That's and and whether that's whether I'm the quality department uh, when I deal with a customer complaint or whether I'm customer service and my my degree of responsiveness. Um, that's where you build company brand, but also personal brand. Yeah, and yeah, and you're right. And personal brand, and 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 that's why people need to know people. I mean, we we don't deal with an organization; we deal with human beings within organizations. And I I have this constant uh, conversation with with clients and people and, and people within my organization and other organizations is that. Is that you don't have? I mean, I've, I've, I don't know how many times I've actually said this in the last twenty-five plus years. Is, is that when, when you say I've got? I mean, let's use Coca-Cola example as an example. Coca-Cola is my client. Okay, I, I don't know if you ever heard that. Like that XYZ brand is my client. In fact, you only know one person in the entire organization. Um, and now you're assuming the entire organization is your client. And, I, and it's like, how deep and broad did you actually go within the organization to understand the entire organization? If they are your client, think about that. So, I mean, think about there are people behind the people yeah. and how much homework have you actually done in terms of, uh, you know, across the cross section and so on. Do you truly understand your client if you are a B2B organization? That is a really, really interesting notion. That's actually really, really powerful. I, I'm also thinking that I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily that interested at name dropping unless they are a genuine reference on your website and there's someone I can talk to. So if you come in and you say, like, I did a big piece of work for Coca-Cola, it, it took a long time, it was difficult to do, they're, they're, they're a big organization, they, they're, you know, they really know their quality because they can pick their suppliers. We did this case, um, 
they'd be happy to be a reference. And if I don't know you, that might be interesting, but you saying that we work with the likes of PepsiCo, just to mention the other one as well. So yes. Fizzy drinks. So the likes of, I don't, that's, how would I care? I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's, we're far away from from having a from a meaningful discussion, and it's surely not going to be based on the sixth guy who comes in and names drops a company. Yeah, and that does does uh, sometimes uh, bug me a bit because you see all the logos on on many websites, and that we've dealt with these companies, and and like, okay, maybe. I don't know, maybe you had a small engagement, but did you truly engage with the company? So things have become less and less and less believable. And I think people, people have, marketing people have to start realizing that, you know, superficial surface does not make the difference, you know, as it did in the past. You know, you can't just name drop. You've got to truly get under the surface and build those relationships. And I think you're absolutely right what you said earlier. It takes time. It takes nurturing, but proper nurturing. Yeah, you know, uh, there's, there's. Uh, I did have a conversation with the guy um, sometime uh, a few days back, and he was saying, "You can't automate nurturing." You know, this whole thing about I've got to automate everything. I mean, even just the old LinkedIn thing that you're talking about, people are trying to automate the connections, and they're automating these messages that just get get spammed out in LinkedIn. But you know, so, well, once you argument, I, I disagree yeah. slightly. Um, yeah. uh, this was so I'm I'm fully with you on the that you can't build meaningful relationships through automation. But there is now what we see is, you know, even those references, the name dropping, the the polished website, all of that, those have become hygiene factors because everyone's pushed up their game because they know that they can't do without. And you need to stay well ahead of all of that. And one of the ways to do that and to bring value, of course, is, is building relationships. And I fully agree, you can't automate that. But there is a layer where through automation, you can service areas that otherwise you just wouldn't get to. So as an example, you might have 2,700 customers out of which the 20 top customers are 80% of your business. And then you've got sort of the high potential customers somewhere in the middle where you think, well, we're going we're gonna to nurture these. We need to go out to them more. And then you've got a, sort of a big revenue area, but all of the customers one by one are very, very small. So, so one customer doesn't really matter, but as a totality, that group matters. So before you, you manage to sort of because it's difficult to make a call out of those customers with limited resources of who we're going to try and nurture into the next categories. What can work really well is marketing automation with with good content with customers that otherwise you'd never talk to and never email. Because they'll go from feeling completely ignored to at least getting a slightly customized uh, message with a few questions for them which they can engage with. Yeah, and 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 yeah. Th th thank you for 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 saying that because uh, I think it's a language issue. So so there's this blanket term called nurturing. Now, if you think and and if you've had children, you when you nurture a child, you embrace the child. You know, you take yeah. care of it. You feed your your child. Okay, you have a connection with the child. You nurturing, right? There's a difference between nurturing and if if I can't automate the nurturing of my children, okay, I mean that if you think about it, so so the word I say I say the word is the problem. Mm. If you want to automate the the regular contact with people that you haven't yet built uh, or don't have the time to 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 have the conversations with, perfect, but don't don't uh, don't mix up the meaning of the word nurture with me regularly contacting people and continue automating the connection building process absolutely as opposed absolutely. to nurture and i think absolutely. that's where a lot of marketing people get it wrong they just bucket this thing called nurture everything gets thrown into i'm going to nurture my my you know my client base yeah, or yeah, you're nurture right. my list 
So I mean, that, I, I just, it was a language, a language issue for me, and it's a it's, that that for me is 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 where the things start getting too grey. Fully, fully with you, and I think that there's sort of a, an, an interesting rule of thumb there for for how nurturing works, in that you, you, nurturing is putting yourself into a position where you're able to listen. And you know, uh, the creator gave us one mouth and two ears, and everyone's heard this one before, but but sales means using them in that proportion good sales right? good <laughs> advice good marketing so so you need to nurturing means you need to get into a position where where you can listen to the other person and you do more listening than talking and the difficulty in that journey is getting into the room or into the kind of room where someone wants to talk to you about meaningful things so that you're able to listen Otherwise, you're in that trap where you're sort of talking at them and hoping that something catches and, and no one's listening. And that's, that's, that's the trick and that's, that's where it gets difficult. And it is hard work. But the nice thing about the hard work is it's satisfying when it comes off. And, and also when, when you've done the work and when you, when you start building partnerships, you end up having something that will potentially last you a career. And I mean, I've, I've now... Fun. I'm on the board of directors for a for a for a software company, and there's a guy who had his first customer was the grandfather in '83, and then the father was his customer, and now the grandson is talking uh, to his son. Hmm. Right. So it's a multi generational brand building and trusted uh, relationship, and there's been years where there hasn't been business. And then you've come back together because the mutual trust is based on how much, you know, nurturing and listening has been done in both directions. By the way, marketing works both ways. So it's not just you're, you're trying to get your service across to, to a client. Um, there are very few organizations at the end of the day that are so big that they can run a rigorous sort of tendering process and say, well, every two years we're going to uh, audit 15 companies to see which one of them is going to build our website and we're going to score them on on price and expertise and whatnot. That usually costs most companies more than the budget for whatever project they're, they're going for. So it, it is absolutely in the interest of the buyer uh, to nurture that relationship as well and to build partnerships. And I've with Wipak, we've, we've always had that tradition in my organizations that we we were very blunt with our suppliers. We push them, but we treat them like family. And so we invite them to our to our meetups. We take them out. We invite them. It's not them taking us out. We we take them out. We invite them to see what we do. Um, and lo and behold, we get responses much quicker than the SLA say. We get, uh, you know, we, I, I want to try your product, and usually trying that product would cost. There's a good chance I can try that product without paying for it because we have a great relationship. They understand our business because I've taken the time to explain my business to them, to train them in my business so that they know what to offer us. And it also puts away with the, the need to sort of do the, the carpet bombing of, of apologies. That's just, just London in the background, uh, typical, <laughs> typical morning in London. Um, so it, it, it stops them from saying like, hey, we have 60 new products. We just sent you a book about them. It's, it, it means they understand the business and, and you cannot, it's difficult to find out all things about your client's business without them being willing to, to share or inviting mm. you in, right? So yeah, it's, it's, a two -way, it's, a, it's like any relationship. It, it's a two-way street, isn't it? And, and, and that's why where customer or client selection comes in, in, you know, we think we're selecting our clients, but we're almost selecting each other. You know, we're selecting, our, uh, it's, it's a joint selection process, if you like. You know, there has to be a connection. There has to be a rapport. There has yeah. to be a sharing of values or whatever it is, however you want to explain it. But there, there really does have to. And that's an incredibly val val valid point. It's not just a one, a single directional thing. I want to ask you a little bit about what, what's really interesting for me, uh, Aries. You, 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 you're quite a... Um, uh, let's let's say very very diverse, very flexible character, and 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 what's what's really interesting is in your in your profile you talk about being highly analytical decision maker, yet marketing and all that is more relationship and 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 so on. I mean, tell me how 
how i mean you talk about extensive experience in building turning around and growing companies so i mean there's there, there's there are a number of elements or, or let's call it attributes that you need to do that successfully tell me a little bit about that so uh, to me intuition is is also data right um we a gut feeling is your experience and something you've you've read or heard or, or experienced before coming together through your subconscious. So, so to me, these are not, not contradictions at all. And I, I think um, the creative industries especially need to be data-based, need to be data-focused, need to understand, need to be able to measure what things that they try do. Right? So I'm, I'm, an, I'm a massive advocate of, of, of experimenting, um, but I'm also an advocate of having a look at how it went afterwards and, and looking at the numbers. Um, and, uh, I mean, everything we do in marketing to me, marketing is problem solving and marketing problem solving is behavioral science. Uh, the only economics that works to me that, that works uh, both in practice and in theory, uh, is behavioral science, behavioral economics. Um, and so this is a science foundation. This is a data and, and, and rigorous, uh, rigor approach foundation but on that foundation you build yourself the freedom to try to experiment to acknowledge when things work and when they didn't um you know mm. to to a startup way i suppose the cliche is sort of failing fast and then going again quickly and um i mean if i look at the you know, the other cliche is that the world will never change as slowly again as it does today and yet it has never changed as fast as it does Right. So if I look at, for instance, um, the people that I've hired in the last three years, none of them have degrees that existed when I went to uni. And <laughs> I'm not 120. Right. So <laughs> masters in digital marketing, masters in sustainability analytics. Right. So 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 all of this, the change is constant and we need more and more of the ability to create, to be creative, to, to problem solve at speed. And at the same time, we need to make sure we're creating more data than ever before. And that's true. That's my statement is now still true, but already all because in this moment, we create more data <laughs> than we created the moment before. Right. So, yeah. so we need to get a, get a, get a grasp on that. We need to make decisions based on, on, on all of that. We need to make sure that, that, um, we're transparent with the facts. I think that's that's one of the problems we have. By the way, when we talk about sort of behavioral science and problem solving, humanity is absolutely fantastic at solving any kind of problem when two things are true. One is we have data transparency. We understand what we're solving. Right? So example, climate change is a, is a great one, a global warming. When people shout at us to stop everything we're doing, nothing happens. When we get told this is our carbon footprint per year that we're allowed, these are the carbon footprints of the different things that we do. Now here's your menu. You can go up to this amount of carbon per year. We're perfectly capable of doing that. It's annoying to us, but we're able to solve that problem. Mm -hmm. Then when you add more people into it, it becomes more complex, right? So collective decision-making is much more complex. But the point here is as long as we have data and as long as something is framed as a personal choice, we can make any decision and uh, and easily. And to me, marketing is that combination of the data that allows a decision and being informed and the story behind it, of course, as well, and then framing it as, as a personal choice, framing it as a menu, right? Yeah, I, lo I love the way you put it. And uh, I, wanna, I want to, I, I really want to just talk a little bit about the, um, the one of the two organizations that that that, that you belong to, the Empower Empower Motion, where you've got uh, say again. Yes, yes, I I haven't so because I I work with with a few, but that one is actually one of my that's my love child, so I'm very happy to talk about it. Yeah, I'm I'm actually quite. I, I, that's why I thought let me bring it up because that 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 triangle and 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 the um, when I'm look when I look at the web page. And I see the I see your philosophy there. I mean, I, I really would like you to share that with the audience because I think it's it's quite quite powerful what you've put together there. So I mean, yeah, let me talk, tell me a bit about your love child. Yeah, so so empower motion is is essentially 
what happened. So my early days, I, w- I was a startup entrepreneur working in, in, in a big four consultancy. So, so time management uh, became something that I got, got quite good at. I got good at, at sort of making sure in the morning that I knew exactly what outcomes I'd need every day. Um, if the day got away from me, if everything went, 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 went to shit, so to say, what are the two things I need to do today so that I go to bed happy and say, well, this was a good day despite everything. And that, that became my must-win battle techno- uh, methodology. So every morning I, I pick two. I pick a private one and I pick one for, for work uh, to make sure that, that at the end of the day, if, if everything else fails, if I don't get through my task list, I've at least done those two things which, which have the biggest impact uh, in my life. And so, so um, back then I was, I was already te- also teaching uh, marketing and sales in, in, in university and, and, and leadership. I started, uh, started early with that and then presentation skills. And 2016, I was out of work for a while and I traveled Silicon Valley and I met a large number of very, very interesting people at conferences. I, I had, uh, had the chance to, to sit next to, to Elon Musk um, at Startup Grind and I had a few other high profile people. And what I found was was very powerful. So one thing was no one had notifications on their phones. The other thing was everyone had a morning routine. And the third thing was almost everyone had affirmations that they recited back to themselves and they, they, they kept sort of building on that. And so I put my time management and my habit building from, from my early days, 15, 20 years ago, together with what I learned in Silicon Valley. And I turned that into a program. Uh, and I'd also figured out, and I'd read all the science on this, that building a habit takes 21 days, right? So mm-hmm. when you teach a child to brush their teeth, they'll fight back for quite a while because it's not a habit yet. Though I, I, I wager most people listening now will actually brush their teeth every day, day right? Because it's a habit. It just, just habits ha- happens habitually. Now, it takes 21 days to build a habit. So if you want to have healthier habits, you want to have a morning routine, you want to get to bed earlier, it'll take you 21 days. And now comes... The problem it takes you 60 days not to lose the habit again that's why gyms make most of their money in january because people make a new year's uh, resolution of going to the gym they buy a membership for a year because it comes at a discount they start they're fine for 21 days and then they get a curveball they get very drunk or they have a celebration they go on a business trip <laughs> the flight gets delayed and everything goes to hell and so then they stop and they don't really understand why they stopped it's because it takes 60 days for that muscle memory for the neuroscience to help you to, to build that muscle memory of, 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 of habits. And so what we built with Empower Motion was a program where we said, okay, let's take the, the most powerful habit from, of entrepreneurs, there's plenty there, um, athletes, plenty there, lots of programs there as well, but as a unique twist, artists, because I've worked with artists all my life. My first company, the one I built during my Deloitte days, was a dance company, which we scaled to 11 countries. And there's so much to learn from from top artists, from their discipline, from the way they approach a creative process, creative problem solving. And we said, let's take all of those and put them into a 10-week program because 10 weeks is 70 days. So we have 60 days and then a few more days to be sure uh, for for the most powerful uh, for the most powerful uh, habits to form themselves. And and I started that as a project with with six people. And then mm-hmm. the next cohort were now up to cohort 15. The next cohort had 12. And the one after that had 30. And I had to split them into two groups because I only want 12 people because otherwise I can't engage with them on that level. So every Wednesday and Thursday, we run cohorts. Um, lots of management consultants, entrepreneurs, uh, and, and management. Um, and it got out of hand. So it just it was just me in the beginning. Then we hired a biohacker and, and a time management expert with three coaches. Then uh, we hired a board. Now we're 16 people. Um, it runs every Wednesday and Thursday, 15 cohorts, which means we've been doing this for 150 weeks now, which is, uh, wow. which is scary at times. And I never intended to scale it. So I didn't want that. So what, what, where I've seen it as, as, as a most powerful, the, the, the two tools that matter to most to me is one is the network building, because mm. when we talk about nurturing, we've had 20 hours together. We've talked about meaningful things and built habits, right? There's no way we haven't connected. That's one thing. The other thing is, um, it's a fantastic tool for hiring. So everyone I've hired in the last couple of years has either gone through it uh, or I've then sort of asked, asked them whether they wanted it for free once they've been in the company. 
right? And and it's it's been incredibly powerful because you get to know the person completely differently. And this is exactly the same as when when you said earlier that there are people who uh, there's many people who name drop a company that they've once worked with. Um, people have optimized that because that's a minimum requirement. Well, interview processes are the same. You get nothing out of people, even if you do a, an assessment center and six or six six interviews, because people have done the course, hired mm. someone to help them, read everything they found on Google, and then sort of worked through the workbook of consulting cases, let's say, on, as a book. So, so everyone's the same. And this way, you find out much more than what they tell you in an interview, which is what they think I want to hear, they'll actually genuinely tell me what their strengths and what they want to be doing uh, in life. So we find much more meaningful uh, engagements with each other. So it's long story short, it's actually very simple. Uh, the habits of the world's most successful in 10 weeks. That's the story. That's brilliant. And I, love, I just absolutely love that. I think, I think that is, that's, that is, a, that's massively key. And, and I, I think that adds into that whole marketing leadership um, framework that, that I think in, in terms of a mindset is it's about taking the lead being, being within marketing. I'm, 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 I'm thinking that marketing leadership goes into, I mean, exactly like you said, employment. I, I think if you look at the HR department, the human resources, you know, that, that thing about um, this reactive behavior of HR departments. I mean, I, I've always, I've always thought that was really, you know, I've had, conversations with different hr people and this reactive behavior is like we need to there's a there's an open position let's go out and find somebody it's like that's too late you you should be marketing the company you should be building a list of cvs and relationships and you should be understanding who your potential target market is in terms of people that you could when you are ready and you have an opening who you could call on to bring into your company that you know and you vetted and you have a relationship with. I mean, uh, employment, I mean, you had a really good one there with your suppliers, uh, building relationship there. Um, you know, and, and we're also talking about customers and so on. And marketing leadership, for me, covers the entire spectrum of, of a business and, and, and being that true person. I mean, if you look at even right down into the people that do um, the warehouse management, for instance, those at the receiving bays and so on. I mean, they're dealing with the company. The, I mean, let's say you're receiving goods into a warehouse. You are doing, you are dealing with the your your supplier's um, workforce. I mean, you're dealing with those. You've got to make it easy. You've got to make that whole journey comfortable. Because all of that information goes back, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, you're spot on. I mean, think about this, right? So when you order something from Amazon, it's almost never Amazon that delivers it. But when the delivery goes wrong and they leave it in your, your, your neighbor's doghouse again, who do you complain to? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you can't even remember whether it was DPD or UPS or whoever. It's Amazon. It's their brand. It's, and and there's, there's two ends that matter the most in that interaction. One is when you buy and you feel like you haven't been conned into only buying Amazon's choice brands, and when you actually feel like you've made an informed choice and the buying experience is easy and the other end is when it's when it gets delivered mm. and so you know amazon they built their brand with their delivery as well and yeah, so and, and they, they've taken care of all what i call those moments of truth i mean i think that comes from um i think one of the airlines had implemented those moments of truth um i just want to i want to go a little bit more personal because we're coming to the end of the hour and and here i just i, just, I really just want to know a little bit more about sort of you you spoke ab uh, about your empower motion and 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 that, those habits and and things that, that you've instilled in yourself but you know from a work-life balance and and just from just you know, from just being a normal human being and keeping yourself, you know, steady and and so on. What what do you do? And uh, and then maybe you go. I hear another <laughs> another siren in the background. Um, t tell us a little bit more about what you're currently doing, and if anybody needs to contact you, how do they get hold of you? So tell us a little bit more about sort of how do you keep that balance, and then tell us a bit more about how people can get hold of you. So you can get me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm going to drop it here as well. Um, so well, you have my name. I can get me on LinkedIn. You can get me through Dudley's uh, LinkedIn for sure. 
I'm very quick on LinkedIn. I think it's a wonderful tool and, and people by and large are professional and, and, uh, and polite on it. So I'm very, very happy to engage on it. It's my, my primary platform uh, for professional networking. Um, what, what I do for, for, for work-life balance, so I, I do have a, a fairly, it's almost boring. I have a, you know, for a creative, but I have a very rigorous um, morning and evening routine. Very rigorous. So I start my morning the same way every day. Um, my, my son is just over two years old, so he starts it with me if he's awake. So there is a, um, a degree of exercise, just enough to get the brain working because the brain wakes up. So there's about 12, 12, to, 12 to 20 minutes of exercise in the morning. This morning was, was a bit longer. And then I have a, a planner in which I plan out my, my day. Often I've do it, done it the previous day already. It's just a rolling forecast but sort of the must-win battles of the day. So what do I need to achieve today so that I'm happy in the evening? Uh, in line with my big goals. So urgencies take care of themselves. So if the boss has written me an email saying, this needs to be done by midday, well, that's not a must-win battle. That takes care of itself because it is that urgent. But must-win mm -hmm. battles are the bigger ones. And then I read a little bit. And I read something that I wouldn't otherwise read. And that's that's for the stimulation of the brain. So so I've, I've now come across this wonderful podcasting uh, actually by a guy called Dudley Peacock. So that, that's been my, my, my go-to, uh, uh, is going to be my go-to for the rest of the week. But I'll do something to stimulate thoughts that I don't think I would otherwise have. And I avoid my phone before I do all those things, and emails especially. And so that, that gets me started. And other than that, I mean, I'm, I, uh, I uh, enjoy my sports. I'm a football lover. I enjoy dance, and uh, I'm a family man. So uh, I cook. Uh, and I have done a lot of work with myself over the last five years to make sure that I move towards the idea, the things that I actually love, because I don't think anyone can be Michael Jordan or if you're a footballing man, Cristiano Ronaldo in your field, if you don't love the process. Hmm. And that's one of the things that enduringly I love about marketing. I love every aspect of marketing. There are other things that I've done all my life, like program and project management for, for big ERP systems. I don't like it. I got good at it because I had to, and it was a useful tool, but I don't love it, which means that I can't be the world's best at it. So there comes a time and that's there's different cutoff points for people, different ages, because there's a time and you need to learn all the toolkits that you're able to function, right? You need to be able to read your numbers. You need to be able to, to do project management at a level so you get stuff done. But then comes the time where you say, well, I've, I've got a good enough level at these things. Now can I focus on things that, that I can actually be a, a rock star at, I can be an expert mm. at. So working on your strength, to your strengths, not just on your weaknesses. And I've, I've been working on that transition for five years now, so that most of the time I work on things that I enjoy, which means that it's really easy to, the, the work-life balance gets a lot easier. You can make your energy last much longer when mm. you actually enjoy what you're doing. Yeah, that's spot on. I, that, that was a great, a great way to to bring the podcast to to, to an end today. And I, wow, I mean, that's been absolutely fascinating. And 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 I've got to say, it's been an absolute privilege having met you. Um, and also, hopefully, we can continue our, our our building our relationship going into the future as well. And and I'd love to see you on the podcast again. Um, I'm sure your journey will take you into very interesting uh, places as you go. Um, and so, yeah, so, so yes, thank you very much for that. Henry. The M&A one, I'll have lots of anecdotes. So that one will be, that, I'm sure that'll, that'll be entertaining. So I have the murder mystery of a beaver killed. I have a case where we were, I was locked in a factory and I climbed down the outside of the factory wall. Um, and so a number of, of very, very interesting stories from the, from the M&A side, much more personal, much more sort of anecdotal in a way. Yeah, I love that, and 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 we and we'll be doing that episode the next next week or so, and and I'm I'm really looking forward to that one. But for the marketing leadership side, I think it was stunning. Thank you so much. Thanks for your input. Thank you for your uh, time. It's been absolutely brilliant. Let me just say goodbye to the audience, and and then I'll come straight back to you, uh, uh, Harry. So just hold a sec. So um, thank you everyone for joining us today on uh, on another episode um, of our podcast and. And today, I think it was a fascinating guest. And and Harry Henry is for me the, the epitome of of that that individual that that wants to keep moving, growing, understanding, and and really broadening um, 
the, the, the deeper, richer part of being human and also uh, of mastering skills that are massively important across business and, and, and business growth, business development, but also within the passion and things that he that that, that he shares. And so th thank you very much to Harry. I, I, I do appreciate that. We're going to have him on another another episode around MA. Uh, but thank you, audience. I much appreciate you, you supporting. If you do uh, like what we're doing, please subscribe. Please um, uh, follow us on, on any one of the, the various channels that we're on. Uh, we look forward to seeing you again on the next episode and, and have a super day going forward. Hi, everybody. This is Dudley again. And if you need help with a future or existing post-merge integration, I want to invite you to arrange a free, no-obligation meeting with us. During the meeting, we'll find out exactly what you need, what your challenges are, and we'll explain how our unique PMI slipstream method can help you. Simply call us or visit mergerintegration.co.uk. That's mergerintegration.co.uk or come to our website, skillfulpursuit.com.